Good evening, everybody. This is the Muni Poly Matters podcast. Once again, I'm very happy to be here to uh, speak to another candidate running in the October municipal election across Ontario. Um, I'm using this space to try to highlight uh, new faces who are looking to break into the local government space and who are looking to represent their local community the best way they can. And they're putting themselves forward, which uh, I highly respect. So I'm very pleased to welcome uh, Tammy Watt. Wong today. Is it, is it Wong or Wong? Sorry, I, I should have asked that before. Well, if you speak, yeah, if you speak Mandarin, it's Huang, Huang, Huang. So Huang. Okay. But then okay. many of our um, community members, I guess the easiest way is Ho Wang Huang. So. Okay, okay. So uh, Tammy Huang is running in Ward 4 in uh, the city of Hamilton. So just a short, uh, quick profile of uh, where Ward 4 is. Ward 4 is commonly known as East Hamilton. It's, uh, it's I guess, in the, sort of the periphery of downtown. And um, the approximate population based on the most recent census data is about 38,000. It probably is a little bit higher now. Uh, some of the um, more prominent places in, in Ward 4 include the Ars Arcelor, Metal Dofasco plant. Uh, mm -hmm. It's also home to the center on Barton and the pipeline walkway, as well as it's located within the Hamilton Conservation Authority watershed. So uh, this ward is a bit interesting in that the current incumbent Sam Murella is not seeking re-election. Uh, and since his announcement uh, as of this recording, there are a lot of people very interested in running this ward, including uh, Tammy here. So uh, I think we'll just get started in uh, just asking you, Tammy, how are you? And uh, I hope you're doing well. And I guess my first question would be uh, just, you know, maybe talk a little bit about yourself, just introduce yourself to people who may not know who Tammy Huang is. So um, take it away. Thank you, Alan. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. It's uh, very humbling to have someone like you who's been on top of all of these different political matters to uh, to seek this opportunity to let me have this opportunity to speak. So again, my name is Tammy. I am running for Ward 4 Councillor here in Hamilton. And just as Alan had just said, it is in the, in Hamilton, it's a little bit interesting because we we have two elevations. We have an elevation called the escarpment. And here locally, we call it the mountain. And then we have Lower Hamilton. And in Lower Hamilton, we have the downtowns. And we also have uh, a lot of um, sort of like the urban, very um, cityscape kind of look. But off to the east end is Ward 4. So we're technically bounded by Ottawa Street to the Red Hill and then Kings Forest, so the base of the escarpment down to the lake, so Arcelor Middle DeFasco. And DeFasco is one of our largest employers, private sector employers here in Hamilton. They've got a long history. They've been in business for almost, almost or if not more than a hundred years. And they've always been a really huge part of the award. But for myself, I am a longtime Hamiltonian. Uh, my parents immigrated to Canada from Taiwan. Uh, my sister and I are born here, so we are born Canadians. But what we're really, why we chose Hamilton was because we landed, my parents landed in Toronto and wanted an opportunity to get into a smaller sort of community. And so back in the late 80s, they actually moved to Hamilton. So we've been in Hamilton since like the late 80s 
And uh, I would say that in ham school university days, now I live and work here. I am by day, so currently I'm on leave, but by day I work for the city of Hamilton in economic development. And in my nights, evenings, weekends, I also run a small business called Commotion on King, which is a co-working space in downtown Hamilton. And now I'm running for council. So I'm super excited and very, and very uh, pumped to be able to talk to you about what, what's happening here. Oh, great. Fantastic. Well, that's a great answer. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, to me, it's uh, actually quite refreshing to see uh, someone uh, of your background running in this race. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. It's very rare to see people like us in the, being in part of a city like Hamilton. You know, usually when you speak of people from the Asian community, it's usually something put somewhere like Markham, for example. So um, uh, I'm, in, I'm interested in your own background because I've, I've read a bit about your biography and it seems like you, you, if you, have work, you currently work in the, with the city of Hamilton or do you work with projects that are you work in partnership with the city? So I'm just wondering how you decided to go into that space because I'm very interested how you decide to pursue that career path. Yeah, thank you for that question. So you're right here in Hamilton, we actually have a very diverse makeup and mosaic here in Hamilton, but I will tell you that if you looked at all of the past councils, you actually don't see any type of diversity or representation. And so I think today, the, a big reason for why I wanted to put myself forward was because we don't see a lot of Asians. We also, we do see a lot of women. And I think that it's particularly empowering to know that we have so many strong female leaders that want to put their names into the ring, but we don't see a lot of Asians and we don't sit, but we do have um, also Councillor Nan, Narendra Nan, who is currently the incumbent for Ward 3. So my hope is that she'll continue to be our counselor there, but this is why representation is important. And as you had talked, as you had asked earlier, the reason why I, I actually work for the city of Hamilton. So I um, ended up, I was in the sort of innovation ecosystem for a while. So I was working for Innovation Factory, which is our regional innovation center. So my background was actually working with technology startup companies. So I was helping them on go-to-market strategies, access to government funding, um, trying to help them with product market fit. So I spent a lot of time figuring out and working with technology companies to help them figure out where they are and how are they going to get to market and how to be successful from that that kind of segued into my work at the city because at the city at the time when i got hired they were looking at an immigrant attraction strategy and my boss and my colleague sarah wayland had actually looked at how do we attract and retain immigrants to hamilton because as we were seeing we were seeing a lot of our immigrants potentially we weren't, we weren't seeing a significant rise in the number of immigrants, but Hamilton has traditionally been an immigrant city. With the steel mills, actually one in four of us were born in another country. So, so the fact, sorry, yeah, one in four of us born in another country. So, so the fact is what we see is we see a significant amount of immigration and what Hamilton gets is secondary migration. So that being all said, uh, when I worked 
for uh, Sarah, this is where I was starting to understand, okay, how does labor force fit in? How do we support and we attract more talent to our city? And at the same time, how do we create a welcoming community for immigrants or for newcomers, anybody that's just not from here? And it was, it's what prompted me to really start thinking about how do I support small businesses? How do I support diversity? How do I support all of these different types of people? And then at the economic development level, it's around how do I draw in attraction? How do I build more opportunity for the companies that are already here? How do we build a more livable and more um, accessible community for our people? And that's a big reason why that prompted me to really start to figure out how that I really wanted to be represented. And I really wanted to make sure that I was there to help support the rest of people that look like me. Hey, sorry about that, folks. Yes, thank you very much for that answer, Tammy. I'm just having some connectivity issues right in the middle of our recording. So I'm no just worries. To... I just kept on talking because I didn't. Yeah. Know how you oh, it's fine. To... I, I looked like I, I was you like, yeah, you were like, you were like wondering what I was talking. doing. It was kind of strange, right? Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, that's a great answer. So um... <laughs> I can <laughs> yeah, make so... a shorter answer. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. It's, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's just, uh, yeah. So it, it looks like you have a very unique set of uh, uh, viewpoints in terms of uh, what you uh, what um, you want to see in the city of Hamilton. But was there like a particular specific reason that something that kind of sparked your interest in saying in thinking in coming to the point where you decided I have to run for council myself because I have to be able to push this particular thing forward? Is, was there like a specific thing? I will say no, there was no specific thing. It was something that as a big Hamilton booster and cheerleader, it was something that has always been in the back of my mind. I mean, being a civil servant and a public servant really did spark and like sort of fan the flames about wanting to be an elected person. But at the end of the day too, in economic development, your reach and your, and your sort of influence can only go so far because as a city staffer, this is, you are um, a servant to the council and then council is a servant to the community. So at the end of the day, as much as I wanted to potentially push some projects forward, it was, it was something that if I could represent more of the voices in my community, then this is how I can be of better service to my community. And so this was something for me as a professional development was I wanted to make a difference and I wanted to have more meaning in what I did on my Monday to Friday, nine to five and beyond. So it was, it's something that's not like any one instance really prompted me. It was something that's always been in sort of my being that I really wanted to be of service and I wanted to figure out how do I do that and how do I be more impactful in my actions. Oh, you're muted. Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, okay, so let's take a look at some of uh, the uh, ideas you had on your platform here. Um, I was looking at it. Uh, so the website is uh, tammyhuang.ca and it looks like uh, I'm trying to see some of your ideas down here that you put in that um uh that that kind of stood out so let's see uh just pulling up the website here and 
let's see. So I'm trying to get this. So things that I tried to organize, I tried to organize my thoughts because there was a lot, there's a lot going yeah. on. Yeah. Tell me, right yeah, now. I think that's a good question. Tell me how you just, how you organize your platform. Like how, how did you come up with the things that you wanted to push forward? Yeah. So I, I looked at it at three different levels because in the way that I felt that I could be of influence was to look at it from a neighborhood level. So from a very community, like immediately outside of your front door kind of level to what's happening in the wards, so the greater sort of bigger local network, and then what's happening on a Hamilton level. So I did, I did kind of label them as families for business and for Hamilton. But for families, I wanted to look at I wanted to have real conversations with people at the door. And so it ranged in topics. And what seems to be the overarching big top of mind right now is uh, safer streets. And I'm not sure if you know, but yesterday we had yet another uh, traffic collision down in literally on the, on the corner of like Ward 3 and Ward 4. And this is where you hear of a mother and a son, and the son now has life-changing injuries. And this is just, it, it breaks your heart. It's something that, why? Why do we keep hearing about this? What's, what, what's happening more? So when I think about for families, I think about how do we create safer streets? What are some of the actions? What are other municipalities doing? Because we are taking some best practices through our planning department by looking at everything from uh, changing these like knockdown poles to like build outs or bump outs from the curb. We're looking at um, dedicated bike lanes. We're looking at all and we are implementing a portion of them, but perhaps they're not changing behavior fast enough. So what are some of the other potential methods in which we can do that? One of which is safe streets. The next is looking at it from amenities. So some of our uh, families, they really want to raise their children here. So what are some of the different amenities that we can do to encourage more people to play outside or walk outside or cycle outside? Or maybe it's all about our fur children trying to get dog parks <laughs> in the area, right? So uh, some of our families are talking about amenities. And then other families were talking about access or cost of living increases. And it is sometimes it's hard when we're looking at inflation, inflation um, is rising. We're also looking at just the cost of everything is rising. So how do we mitigate that? Or how do we encourage that? Um, one other one that's a very specific challenge for Ward 4 is the idea of food deserts. So here in the city, we actually in you can we have lots and lots of different grocery stores and different opportunities. But for a family that may want to walk to a grocery store, it's it's a significant walk from any point in our little ward to get to a a grocery store. And what if you don't have access to a car? Or what if it's too far to get onto a bus? Or what if like so it's it's really interesting. This in particular is a very specific uh, challenge within the ward. Then when we talked about going to that next level up, there were other things that I cared about, like in terms of LRT is coming through. So our light rail transit is going to be breaking ground in 2024. It's going to be a pain, <laughs> like breaking up the road, getting people to move around the city. And it's also thinking about our small businesses. How do we support our small businesses? Again, this comes back to 
building in sort of that 15 minute city, like how do we get more walking amenities and we can have access to food and restaurants and all that stuff. But like, how do we support our small businesses so that they can survive with this disruption to the roadways? And then we look at it from a larger Hamilton level where I wanted to speak about how do we work with our planning and building departments on how do we build, how do we work with our developers on affordable housing? How do we work with our nonprofits that are already trying to solve this problem, but maybe they might be suffering or, or they might have a challenge with getting through the process? Or how do we get them to streamline and put on more affordable housing units within our city? So I think about it from these sort of three levels where I wanted to potentially speak about all of them in different generic or very high level terms, because at this point, it's too early for me to definitively put out a policy and definitively put out an idea until I had true consultations with the neighborhood and with the with the community members. Okay, uh, yeah, thanks for that answer. You know what, that's a that's a good segue to another question I had because I'm, I'm always interested in this because if you're running for a provincial or federal party, in terms of policy development, there's not much heavy lifting you as a candidate have to do because the par party has made up a bunch of policies that you've bought into, but mm -hmm. you're just your own person. So like, how has that process in sort of shaping your own policy been? Like you mentioned, you've been consulting like people you've uh, met during door knocking, but are there like other um, factors that go into that decision-making? I'm just curious. There are, and I think that it's about honesty, openness, and transparency, because at the end of the day, not any one person will actually know all of the answers. So I feel that as me being an elected official, it's really around facilitation, having conversations with the community, with experts, with other people that have that lived experience, because I won't know what it's like to live. My, my current house is in the south end of the ward. I and have never lived in the north end of the ward, but the north end of the ward is still part of my ward. So having those lived experiences of community members that live in the north end and telling having them tell me some of the challenges. This is where the food deserts comes in. This is where access to public transit. This is where we're talking about cost of living increases. These are all things that are very unique and specialized to where you live in the ward. And far be it for me to try and come up with a policy when I don't have all of the information. So this is where it's talking about collaboration and it's also talking about um, that increased communication. And it's, it's also going to where the community is it's meeting them where they are rather than assuming that this is what they need and this is what they want. Okay. Um, so one other question, I guess my next question in terms of, it's more of a wider Hamilton uh, related issue. And it just seems that with all the news in the last couple of years uh, pertaining to the behavior of Hamilton City Council, just um, this issue, issues of accountability or, or lack thereof, uh, accusations of corruption. I'll bring up one specific uh, um, thing that happened. It was back in the first day of registration. Uh, I don't believe you registered on the first day, but there were some candidates that did, including I believe uh, a mayoral candidate, uh, Keenan Loomis and some other council candidates. After they registered, 
they were told by city of Hamilton staff to, um, to get out of the building. You cannot have a press conference on city property. So they were told to go on the sidewalk outside city property where it's very close to um, traffic where, you know, the potential of getting what hit is, is evident, right? So that just sounded very strange to me because in past uh, municipal elections, the candidates were able to have a press conference or speak to the media inside the, the city clerk's area. So just one of those, it's just that thing can, can and, and uh, you compound it with all these issues about Seward the Red Hill Valley inquiry, um, you know, accusations of like hiring a white supremacist in city hall and just <laughs> certain behavior of certain counselors is like, as someone who works in the city now running to be elected to the city council, what do you think of all this? Like, is, is it just, is it overblown in some sense or is it like a really legitimate problem? I think it's a little bit of column A and column B. So I think that, um, I will say that as a city staffer, we're not privy to a lot of like the things that happen in camera or anything like that, but but I think that our counselors are doing what they can and they have also been in those spots for a really long time. So a lot of the times it just comes back to, I've seen it, I've heard it. And then they just kind of like, it just kind of gets um, sort of downplayed. But I think now we're in a society where we're looking at keeping our elected officials much more accountable. So when it comes to these sort of challenges, it's really hard to speak negatively because we just don't know what are the circumstances around all of these different challenges. And that the and what we also want to see is we want to see at least just some communication as to the thinking behind blah, 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 right? So I think that it's like when it came to first day, May 2nd, when we had Keenan and Kojo like um, announce, the fact is there was a policy that was already in place, but it just perhaps wasn't interpreted the same way that, um, that our new sort of candidates would have like, would have made sense like to understand. But that is all because we were, in response to other things like yellow vesters that were protesting at our door like so it's it's how do you how do you interpret the right like the right policies and interpret it so you can understand the meaning or the reasons why they came forward like that and perhaps execution could have been done better there could have been better communication i will tell you that when i registered on the 27th it was very clear to me they laid out the policy, they gave me a portal. In the portal, there was like five pages of like different policies and documents, including everything from a sign by law to use of city property. So it could have been just first day sort of challenges and miscommunication on that sort of end. But I think that we're all human and we are all trying to make do with what we're trying, what we have put in front of us. It's it's hard because when I want to think about my colleagues, my I'm on leave right now, so I'm going to say former colleagues, um, my colleagues at City Hall, they are they are navigating significant challenges throughout all of this. So it's it's this is why I want to talk about openness, transparency, communication, two way communication because things get lost in translation and things get lost along the way. So I think that there is more opportunity. And I think that with this 
new council, we're going to see a significant amount of new faces around the around the horseshoe. And it's only going to talk about opportunity and it's only going to talk about making things a lot more transparent and open at City Hall. And I know that that's what a lot of our messaging around other candidates have been also saying this exact same kind of messaging is that the time is now for us to really think about how are we being much more transparent, how are we being much more open and to a communication with between city council who is in service to the community and to the community so that they can feel like they've been properly informed as to what's happening at around the horseshoe. Uh, seems that these in, the, in these days, affordable housing is like a issue on top of mind, no matter where you're from, whether it's Hamilton, yeah. or whether it's somewhere else. Yeah. And um, I understand that the city of Hamilton recently decided to vote to keep the urban growth boundary. Mm -hmm. So um, it's it, it's been said that by doing so, uh, there were it's a policy that was designed to uh, stop sprawl development mm -hmm. and to try to help densify in the years to come. Um, in terms of affordable housing, like what do you, what what do you think? Like I know I know you're still developing your policy at this point, mm -hmm. but like based on your experience, like what exactly can a city do in either on its own or in conjunction in partnership with other levels of government to actually start actually providing some actual concrete solution to this affordable crisis, housing crisis that we're having. So I think let's speak to the um, urban sprawl topic first before we start getting into tactics and which of affordable housing. I think that this, so traditionally when the city puts out like a survey, you get historically super low um, response rate. And this particular topic, we got like 18,000 survey respondents. So it is abundantly clear that the community did not want sprawl and didn't and wanted to hold to the urban boundary. And it makes sense because when we talk about looking at our downtowns and we look at some of our sort of urbanized and suburban areas, we do have a lot of like surface parking lots. <laughs> we have a lot of space. We have opportunity to go upwards. And that's, when we think about what a thriving city could look like, it is about potentially creating a city where you can walk to your grocery store, to your restaurant, to a, to a concert venue inside of 15, 20 minutes. Why couldn't we do that? So I get it, I understand. And this is where the community was very clear in saying no to urban sprawl. I am also of the opinion that sometimes there's one-off cases where you're going to require a little bit extra, you're gonna to have to push a little bit extra beyond, beyond the urban boundaries. And that's as long as it fits with the master plan and you're not essentially creating a subdivision out of nowhere, but perhaps what you need is just a tiny bit more space in order to ensure that you're getting the right kind of amenities and the right investment into that part of the city. Does that kind of make sense? Like, I just think, I don't want to be totally, I want to make sure that we're, I'm very clear. I believe in what we're saying, which is no urban sprawl. However, there's always going to be special cases. And I think we have to look at those on a case by case basis. Well, I think that's a reasonable answer, to be honest. Like I, I, I uh, talk a bit probably too often with uh, people who are like in the housing advocacy space and they are, at the minute they hear someone say, oh, maybe we should just let a little bit more development here they just immediately go to that n-word 
which is yeah. NIMBY. <laughs> yeah. you literally throw that out there as if it's just some um, final definitive argument, uh, a talking point. But uh, I think that's a reasonable answer. And, you know, it's, you know, there has to be like a basket of solutions that we have to be able to tap into. Yeah. And that okay. it's not a one size fits all for every community okay. out there, right? Okay, yeah. so yeah. So I guess uh, as we're uh, starting to wind down here, I guess my last question would be, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, this ward is being vacated by retiring councillor Sam Morella. And as of this recording, there are currently 10 candidates, including yourself, Tammy, running in, in this area. I believe uh, a well-known Hamilton commentator, Laura Babcock, was making a sort of a snide remark and just saying, is there something going on in Ward 4? There's like so many other, um, you know, counselors leaving, other counselors leaving. Why is everybody running in Ward 4? So, you know, I mean, I don't want to give out everybody's name because this is about you, Tammy. But um, you know, I think there is one current school trustee in there running. But there's so many names there. So in terms of just strategy in like whatever you feel comfortable divulge in terms of like campaigning tactics, like I know like when someone runs for election, it's really just door knocking or just meeting as many people as you can. Sometimes you may have to go back to the doors a couple of times to the point where they're like, I've, you've seen you already, stop coming over, you know, <laughs> like, like how, do you, how does Tammy Huang stand out from like the nine other people standing for Ward 4? Because I'm imagining with this field, and if you throw in like maybe even one or two other more, like the winner eventually based on our current system is going to be probably winning by a, such a small percentage of a vote. It's going to be like split off with like all those other people. So how do you stand out from everybody else? Well, I hope that having conversations with you, Mr. Fantastic, <laughs> will be helpful with this. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I hope people watch this after it goes up. I mean, <laughs> I'm just doing this as like a humble little side project, but I hope people like, uh, you know, watch it. So yeah, sorry, continue. And honestly, Sam, Councillor Marilla had announced very early on, like in 2020 or something that he was going to retire. So it, especially for someone like me, it gave me a lot of time to really think about, because I, I actually love my job in economic development. So it was a giant, like big, huge, like decision to leave my wonderful little job in economic development and like essentially put myself out there for public opinion and to open myself up to this. So I would say that Having him announce very early that he was going to retire gave a lot of people a lot of time to really consider this. Uh, in terms of how I want to set myself apart, you're right. It is about knocking on doors, introducing myself firsthand, but it's also trying to educate and let people know what my background is and why I want to do this. Because I think that at the end of the day, it's about one, it's about representation, ensuring that we're showing up and being part of the diversity and the makeup of Hamilton. So, and a lot of that is about representing at the decision-making table, which is around the horseshoe at city council. The second is that I'm not starting from zero. I am already in economic development. I have already been a part of these conversations around a lot of these ward issues. Um, but I'm also part of these conversations about trying to bring solutions to the city of Hamilton. Things like infrastructure investment, trying to draw in foreign direct investment, bringing jobs, looking at labor talent and the makeup of how we're actually um, building up the pipeline of talent here in Hamilton. So I've already been at those tables 
bringing solutions to the city of Hamilton. So you're not getting net new from me. And at the end of the day too, what I am is I'm going to be a facilitator. I know that not any one person will have the answers to all. And so having a project manager facilitator with somebody with my background, I know where to go to find the answers. I know where to go to ask the questions and I know where to go to bring in the experts. So then that way we're not flying by the seat of our pants, but we're making very thoughtful and very prudent, financially prudent decisions today that are going to influence and actually support what's going to happen tomorrow. And at the core of it, I know that we need fresh ideas on a very consistent basis. So I'm also a firm component, a firm, firm proponent of limited terms because there is no reason for any one council member to be on council for more than say two, maybe three terms. But the idea too is that sometimes you can't push projects forward in a four-year term. Sometimes it does take two terms to actually push through a project. And so I'm also very mindful that it takes time and it also takes a lot of work to actually bring the right people to the table. So this is why I think that I would be the best person to represent Ward 4, but also represent Hamilton as a community, as a full city to other places beyond our borders. So this is, this is where I'm trying to really hammer in that message and say, you're not getting that new, you're getting somebody that knows how to make things work. Well, that's a great answer. And I think if, uh, if the stars are aligned and the people of Ward 4 would be very lucky to have you as a new counselor, you know, here's hoping. Of course, uh, Ward 4 has plenty of choices to choose from, but I think you gave a very good uh, um, sales pitch, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Uh, Tammy, I want to thank you once again for your time. I know you're very busy during this campaigning season for talking to me. Um, just uh, one last question. Uh, where can people find you if they want to get reach out with, to you, either to ask you a question or even sign up to volunteer on a campaign or anything they are interested in about your candidacy? I would love to have people check out my website, Tammy Huang, T-A-M-M-Y-H-W-A-N-G.ca. So TammyHuang.ca. And that's where you're going to be able to see a little bit about me, some of my career highlights, uh, some of my platform as I'm currently developing it and ensuring that I'm having these consultations. And then also where you can volunteer, you can donate. And if you're looking for a lawn sign, so <laughs> TammyHuang.ca. Okay, well, that's just fantastic. Well, everybody, thank you again for uh, tuning in to uh, Muni Poly Matters podcast. Uh, once again, thank you for Tammy Huang, who is running in Ward 4 in the city of Hamilton. And uh, yeah, so election day is October 24th. Uh, you know, please go out and vote and get keep engaged. Thank you very much.